about 250 miles, or 402 kilometers south of the Egyptian border in Sudan, the Nile River runs into a curious S-shaped curve, the only divergence in an otherwise straight northerly course that runs from its headwaters in Uganda all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, where it drains. It was on and around this curve that an ancient city rose to prominence sometime around 3100 BC. Despite its proximity to that great civilization to the north, it was not founded by the Egyptians, but by an entirely different people altogether, the Nubians. For over a millennium, the Nubians ruled over much of northern Sudan with a kingdom and culture all their own, before ultimately succumbing to Egyptian sovereignty around 1500 BC. Just who were the Nubians? What was life in their society like? And what happened to their civilization after it fell to Egypt? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome to the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. Most of what we know about the Nubians comes down to us from Egyptian records and sources. Perhaps this led to the assumption that, for many years, was generally accepted by both historians and archaeologists alike, that the Nubians, and therefore Nubia, had been an Egyptocentric society that was merely an adjunct region of their mighty empire. While this was partially true for a time after 1500 BC, the truth of the matter was that they were an entirely distinct culture that was born and grew alongside that of Egypt. Our current understanding of the Nubians can be traced in part to an American archaeologist named George Andrew Reisner, who, in the mid-1920s, set out to search for Egyptian art and artifacts in northern Sudan. Commissioned and funded by both the Boston Museum of Fine Arts and Harvard University, Reisner led his team to the Sudanese city of Kerma, where they began excavations. What they discovered was mind-boggling, a civilization whose size and scope rivaled that of Egypt. They uncovered the Defufa, a large five-story temple complex that had been the religious center of the ancient town as well as a number of royal burial sites replete with human and animal sacrifices, wooden funerary beds adorned with mica and ivory depictions of African wildlife, and jewelry made of amethyst, quartz, and gold. The team also unearthed large black granite statues of a prominent Egyptian statesman, Jephi Hapi, and his wife, Lady Senui, who governed a district in central Egypt between 1971 and 1926 BC. While Reisner noted that these discoveries were indeed distinct from those he'd seen in Egypt, he couldn't believe that the Nubians had been capable of constructing such a complex society on their own. The statues in particular solidified his theories, and he therefore concluded that Egypt had a hand in both its foundation and its growth. Fast forward to 2003, when a Swiss archaeologist named Charles Bonnet arrived in Kerma with his own team from the University of Geneva. With Reisner's field notes in hand, Bonnet unearthed an additional 30,000 grave sites, as well as unique pottery and the remnants of a wide array of structures, all of which dated from well before the 1500 BC invasion of Nubia by Egypt. Bonnet's aim, which he recounted in the September-October 2020 issue of Archaeology magazine, was, quote, to reconstruct a more accurate history of Sudan. We realized that the tombs, palaces, and temples stood out from Egyptian remains, and that a different tradition characterized the discoveries. We were in another world. End quote. But just what exactly was this other world like? Well, for starters, it was founded solely by Nubians around 3100 BC, in what would become the city of Kerma. Drawn to the region by an increasingly arid climate in other parts of Sudan, these early inhabitants made unique red and black ceramics, and lived in small settlements comprised of round huts that were arranged in a semicircle. Around 2500 BC, the accepted starting date of the Nubian civilization, the first fort was built and Kerma quickly sprang up around it in a surprisingly dense urban landscape, the like of which can only be found in one other place in Africa. Africa at the time, 
Egypt. A number of businesses sprang up which helped boost and strengthen the kingdom's infrastructure. Marketplaces and bakeries helped feed the populace, while trade allowed and encouraged interaction with other African and Mediterranean cultures and societies, most notably Egypt, with whom they maintained close ties throughout their history. But these traders didn't just pass through the town. Of the many findings that Bonet and his team uncovered at the site, they've also discovered the remnants of various types of dwellings, including oval-shaped temples, like those in ancient Mesopotamia and the Near East, round huts, as can still be found in Central Africa today, and even forts and other buildings constructed in architectural styles that are distinct from those of either Nubia or Egypt. These exciting developments prove that Kerma was a culturally, ethnically, and religiously diverse city, one where the ancient world came together in ways virtually unheard of and unseen until the Roman Empire some centuries later. For a millennium, the Nubians maintained their own culture and society independent from any other power in Africa or the Mediterranean. While they indeed maintained close ties with Egypt, they eventually fell to their military might and expansion in 1500 BC. While Reisner's Egyptocentric theory surrounding the Nubians has largely been disproven nearly a century after he and his own team first broke ground, there's evidence to believe that parts of it might in fact be true. About 0.6 miles, or one kilometer south of the dig at Kerma, Bonnet unearthed the remains of a presumed Egyptian settlement that arose simultaneously and grew after the fall of Nubia. The site, known as Dukigel, or Red Mound in ancient Egyptian, revealed some 40 black granite statues of Egyptian noblemen and statesmen. Identified as a favisa, or a place where such statues were stored for safekeeping, they were found in shards and with bits and pieces having been broken off in ancient times, which, according to the site's official website, was, quote, to destroy the power of the pharaohs represented, unquote. Dating at Dukigel reveals that it was first settled in around 1450 BC and fell nearly a thousand years later in AD 400. Though the Nubians eventually became the subjects of Egypt, they were by no means removed from the annals of history. On the contrary, nearly 500 years after their civilization fell to their northern neighbor in 1070 BC, they led an uprising against their Egyptian overlords and established their own kingdom in Napata, a town in northern Sudan on the Nile's S-curve a stone's throw away from Kerma. This kingdom, called Kush, itself became a mighty empire that pushed as far north as central Egypt and lasted until AD 350. It's a testament to the Nubians' strength and fortitude that they persistent and whose descendants remain in Sudan to this day. The story of the Nubians is not just a unique chapter in Africa's history, but in the history of the world. That such a civilization could rise, fall, and rise again is a reminder of the power of human determination and achievement. With each new discovery and development in our understanding of their society and culture, we, in turn, get closer to understanding ourselves. Who knows what other treasures the desert sands may yield? There are perhaps a great many mysteries yet to be revealed. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear and would like to support this podcast to ensure future episodes and content, please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Just go to anchor.fm slash historylovescompany and click the support button. There you'll find monthly support plans in three different tiers. Any and all help is greatly appreciated, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your continued love and support. Be sure to tune in next Thursday and every Thursday for a brand new episode of the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time.